0: Driving it home
1: with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse
2: gases, the folks refusing to wear masks, says, and politicians getting caught grabbing ass, says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez.
1: Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> Hello, what is on your mind today? It is Wednesday. I hope that you're happy, healthy, and safe wherever you are. And uh, I'm getting excited about this mayoral forum we're going to be hosting at Morningstar Auditorium next Thursday. That's Thursday, January 26th. And, of course, we are giving away a pair of tickets uh, throughout the week. Uh, So uh, stay tuned, and I'll figure out a way to give those away a little bit later in the show. And uh, and also feel free to give me a call and let me know what questions you want to ask our candidates uh it is interesting um I, I I would I would say I would encourage you if you want to share a question with us, uh, try to do one that is. I, I think it was Myrna who said, you know, all these new programs. Let's say one of the candidates says that they want to uh, create uh, more bike lanes, which I think it protected bike lanes because why paint is not protection, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of folks have been uh, really organizing and fighting for safer bike lanes and streets in Chicago, not just for. By the Cyclists, by the way, creating these kinds of spaces also makes it safer for pedestrians. Uh, I would go so far as to say there has to be some something done when it comes to renewing our driver's licenses, or in maybe it's just with the, the you know the teenagers in uh, in driver's ed courses or whoever is taking their driving uh, education should learn more about. Pedestrian safety. You guys, I get it. I get that it's annoying when a pedestrian comes out between two parked cars or um, is walking in the street or a cyclist is riding down the middle of the road. I get that you have some place to be. I get that, you know, they're not following the law. You are driving a lethal weapon. And I get that sometimes pedestrians uh, and and cyclists can do things that put people in danger. They uh, surprise you and you swerve. I get it. But please, um, you know, I saw this video yesterday. This woman was in the crosswalk. And, yeah, the hand was, you know, the flashing hand, you know, it's almost time to not cross this intersection. But she was well into the crosswalk and a car hit her. I mean, she kind of was like it was a scrape. Right. But. Not a, no acknowledgement, and a lot of people online saying, "Well, she shouldn't have been there." The hand was flashing. That means don't cross. Here's the thing: it still doesn't matter. Uh, I get that. You know, let's say in a, in a, a court of, uh, you know, in a legal battle. Sure, are you? Is, it, is, it, is there going to be a determination possibly that it was pedestrian fault? Sure, maybe. But is it worth it to put someone's life at danger? Is is your need to be somewhere as fast as you possibly can in a in a, a one-ton vehicle worth harming somebody? Where are our values? Um, I, again, I get that I've been annoyed by pedestrians crossing in the middle of the street, coming out between parked cars. It still makes my heart stop that I almost hit somebody. Um, and I and I would feel awful if I did, but there seem to be people who are like, that's their fault, shouldn't have been there. I get it. Just take a breath um, and, and maybe pedestrians if they felt they were safer in other places wouldn't be as haphazard. If if we were pedestrian based and that's what we should be, I, I get that we are all car centric I'm car-brained. Uh, hey, I'm, who am I to talk? I, I Although today I did walk, but there are times when I have two blocks to go and I'm like, I'm just going to hop in the car and run am late. I don't need to do that. I need to plan better. Uh, you know, I try to take public transportation as often as I can. Do I do it every single time that it's feasible? No. Uh, and and look, CTA needs to be improved. We need to have safer cars. We need to have cleaner cars. We need to have... Uh, we need to have predictability when it comes to our cars uh, with our, our train cars and our and our bus schedules. Oh, I'm just saying, uh, I just this video really bothered me yesterday. This woman crossing the street and uh and this massive SUV just basically almost killed her and the responses from people are that she shouldn't have been in the crosswalk. My husband and I were crossing the street one day on Alston uh, we were just we just stepped out because we couldn't see around the parked cars and the and we didn't have you know we didn't have the right of way at that moment it was a green light for traffic and uh, we just we had to step out because we couldn't actually see if there were vehicles coming that often happens bigger cars or the way it lines up you just sometimes you have to step out and see and this woman came to a stop. At a green light, we were we weren't in the intersection. We just stopped off the we stepped off the sidewalk to see if there were cars coming. And she rolled her window down and started yelling at us. You know, by law, I have to stop when someone steps in the intersection. Okay, fine. Uh, and we waved her on. We were like, we're fine. We, we we were just trying to see if you were coming. That's all. we just, Oh my god, it's just uh, <laughs> it's people. Let me, oh, John's got a question for the candidates. Hey, John, what's going to be one of your questions for the candidates when we have our mayoral forum on January
3: 26th? Yes, Patty. Um, I heard that um, uh, Paul Vallis would allow the uh, Chicago Police Department to live outside the city. He changed the rules. And we had that in Hammond, where I live, uh, about 30 years ago, maybe 40 years ago. Gosh, I'm 60, so it's been a long time. But I could tell you, we used to have police living in our neighborhoods. They had the squad car out there. And they were part of the community. And when they changed that rule, and they changed it for all city workers, that means police, fire, teachers, everybody started moving out to the suburbs. And I'll tell you, our town has never been the same. And I remember Gary Chico, the last time um, there was a mayoral race, he had the same, um, you know, points that that was what he was going to do. And I brought that up to Dick K on several occasions. But that would be my question for the candidates, you know. Which of you, and I know Vallis says he's for that, which of you would allow city workers to live outside the city? It makes your community safer when you have a police officer living on your block. Let me tell you. And don't let anybody kid you, that, that is a fact.
1: Well, I would say this, I would say we don't have it like so in Chicago, we have a consolidation for the most part from, from my own personal experience. We have a lot of cops that live on the edges of the city. Not that there aren't cops that live yeah. in the city farther in, in all the na- we don't have cops in all the neighborhoods that, that, that you know, that are in the areas that they necessarily work. Uh, and, and with that comes this sort of. Uh, you know, this energy of like, so my neighborhood is known as a first responder neighborhood. Uh, so, and I talked to a legislator about this, and, and I, I've, I've heard someone in Springfield also uh, pose this as a possibility, saying, you know, maybe if they just could get away and live somewhere with more more space and things like that. So, but you're saying that in, in, your, in your situation, it has not made things better, has not improved uh, safety, and, and at least it felt like the presence of it. Because, again, you're right, in my neighborhood, we live in one of the safest neighborhoods in the city. I mean, I think Pretty about most. about oh, yeah, about yeah, 21 years ago, uh, my husband and I, about two or three in the morning, we got the doorbell rang and it was a police officer on our front porch. And he said, uh, are you the owner of this CRV? And uh, it turned out that our car had been broken into. What happened was they saw someone running across Milwaukee Avenue uh, and they looked suspicious. They had a, a car radio. They you know followed them and ended up breaking up a uh, a ring of th- thieves who were breaking into cars they had they went uh, they and they searched for the car that had been broken into I mean, I've never, I've been in Chicago my entire (laughs) life, right? They looked for the car. Exactly. I mean, so because it was one of their neighbors, they were like, where did this come from? And it was, it's just not this, usually when you have your car radio stolen, you, you file, maybe you file a police report, you get an insurance report. I had to go to court because I had to follow through, which is fine, you know, but, but I mean, like. That's because they live in the neighborhood. They want it to be safer. Right. Is that going to happen in Englewood? Is that going to happen in Rosen? I don't I don't know. Uh, so for the communities where there's a consolidation, where there's a lot of police officers, yeah, they look out for each other. And uh, and you would hope for that to be true in all the communities, right?
3: True. And I'll tell you, I live right next to Hegwish. So I live on the Illinois-Indiana state line. I live right, right, I live right next to Hegwish. And Hegwish is, a, is one of those uh, Chicago communities and it's full of police and fire uh, fighters. I, I see them in our local stores in Indiana because it's cheaper to buy food over here. And uh, But, I mean, Hegwish is a nice community. I mean, you could, you know, uh, the houses are real nice, and it's just a nice community. But there's a cop on every other block. And so it does make a difference. I'm telling you, Hammond, well, the fun—the worst thing that ticks me off is Hammond police are allowed to drive their cars, our squad cars, to their residence, which is like way out in Shererville or out in Valpo. And so they've got a Hammond police car and they're driving out to the suburbs. And I'm like, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, and and, and just having that car sitting in front of your house, believe me, or near your house, it, it may have an impact. It might stop something, you know, but, Anyway, just my two cents for. Sessworth, you have a great day.
1: Yeah, I, I will see if we can get that question into Paul Vallis, whether it's on the forum or when we interview him uh, prior ahead of the election, because uh, it looks like he's got some strong polling numbers. I think he's resonating with a lot of folks. I'm surprised uh, at some of the folks that uh, that are drawn to him uh, only because of some of the things that he's had to say about CT, about uh, CTU. Uh, some of the things that he I mean, speaking at the Awake uh, Illinois event last spring Um uh, And I know that a lot of people also like his experience and think that he has good economic policy. So I'd be curious to ask him about both your question and other issues. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you, Betty. Good night. Appreciate it, John. Yeah, have a great one let's take a break here when we come back continue to take your phone call 773-763-9278 is the number to call or text us and join the conversation at 773-763-9278 we want to thank our sponsors for the text screen Camp Kubagani, a child summer of empowerment challenge and fun go to multiculturalcamp.com for more information and we'll be interviewing the folks from Camp Kubigani, uh in a couple weeks I'm excited about that as well more when we come back on driving at home oh and thanks to our sponsors, Manaqua Brewing Company. Of course, we talked to Kirk yesterday. His birthday's coming up on Groundhog's Day. So make sure you visit MinacquaBrewingCompany.com. If you uh, want to go up to Madison and celebrate with him, you got to volunteer for the Supreme Court race uh, because that is one of the most important races coming up this spring. And uh, you can also find out on my Facebook page, the Patty Vasquez Show page, where you can pick up a progressive brew or a choice seltzer. And uh, that's pinned right there at the top of our page, all the Chicago land locations were his Products are available. I want to thank our friends at Kids Above All. Go to kidsaboveall.org and find out how you can support kids who have survived trauma, who need your help to reach their potential. And I also want to, of course, thank our friend Warren Price from European and U.S. Car Service. Go to europeanus.com, and uh, they do a great job there. If you are if you get a fender bender, if you've got some car trouble, uh, give Warren a call and tell him that Patty sent you. More after this on the Heartland Signal.
4: This is Barry Moltz with a Small Business Radio Show. And like you, I've had a lot of businesses over the last 25 years. First, I went out of business. Then I got kicked out by my two partners. Then I sold my last business, and I was able to pay back the bank the $1.3 million I owed them. And funny enough, my wife tells me I got her back just about the same time. Join me Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. right here on WCPT 820, where I show you how to get your small business unstuck, grow the company you've always wanted, and finally make the money that you deserve.
5: WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter.
1: Hey, Lady B. I apologize. I was juggling. Uh, there were there were people who wanted to do different days. I was trying to put people into different time slots. Can you do me a favor and give uh, Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation area a call? Um, he uh, he was like, "Are we still on for today?" I'm like, "Oh my god! I just went long with that. Uh, I went long on a CTA thing." And then, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that question about uh, Paul Vallis and his uh, proposal that we allow police officers and city workers. I th- was it just? I wonder if it's just for police officers. First responders, or is it all city workers? Uh, Because there is a requirement in order to be employed by the city of Chicago to live in the city of Chicago. And uh, I'm curious about that as well. So I went a little bit long and I lost track of time. So my apologies to Dan Schaefer. And another question, uh, as we as we get uh, Dan on the phone, we've got Andy says I have a a question for the candidates. Are they going? How are they going to bring people back to using the CTA trains and buses? And uh, I think that's a great question because there are a lot of uh, stories about how the trains smell. There are people smoking on the train. The safety of the trains. The uh, timeliness. uh, The scheduling of trains and buses uh i you guys there's a uh bus driver named louis fontani and uh, Fontani. if his name he's a he's a friend of mine uh and as you might know i'm terrible with last names i have a friend named dan z i called him dan z for over 30 years because i had to keep practicing his name and i could never get it right anyway the you know his name i get right is dan schafer's dan i apologize for making you wait how you doing today dan
0: Doing well, Patty. Thanks for having me on.
1: How are you? I'm good. I was uh, I was going on and on about uh, our public. We have, a, of course, you were. You know, this is actually perfect. Um, you were asking uh, on Twitter about the uh, <laughs> the mayoral race in Chicago, so uh, it's taking up a lot of uh, conversation here. Um, what was this? I think it was the uh, story about Mayor Lightfoot uh, sending uh, teachers an email or at least her campaign sending an email saying that uh, hey, encourage your students to volunteer for my campaign. Was that the story that caught your attention?
0: That was. yeah, so I'm just in general kind of you know been paying attention to uh, to the Chicago mayoral elections just from you know from a couple hours north here in Milwaukee. but I, I you know I can't really I don't really have a great understanding of it and uh, I, I just I want to learn more because it seems like a wild race.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that's a, a good way to put it. I mean, the last several elections, look, for over 24 years, I think, we had uh, Richard Daley Jr., right? Uh, before that, we had we uh, we had we had Harold Washington, Jane Byrne, some of the bigger names. I know that somewhere in between we had interim mayors. Uh, before that, Blandick, who lost because of a blizzard. There's so much to our history. And obviously, you know, the um, a lot of tales behind Richard M. Daley, uh, Richard J. Daley, yeah, Richard Daley Sr. Uh, it's always... Uh, very dramatic in our races. This one has, I believe, 10 candidates um, with, with an incumbent, right? We had a race with Rahm Emanuel when he was in office. Uh, he had terrible polling numbers. Chewy Garcia challenged him, forced him into runoff. So for our mayoral race, it, you have to get a, a 50 plus one. So you have to get a simple majority. And So, so
0: it's kind of like the Georgia Senate race where you have to... yes. Yeah, get the actual majority. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Okay. And uh, the last election, uh, so Mayor Emanuel, for a variety of reasons, decided he would not seek reelection, which opened up the field. Uh, and I believe Lori Lightfoot uh, announced even before he said he was not going to seek reelection. she had already said she was going to be running for mayor. But once he announced, then the floodgates were open and we had, at one point, I think we had like 16 or 17 candidates. It was down to about 11 or so. Uh, and I'll tell you this much. Heading into the election... The polling numbers for Lori Lightfoot were about 3% of the polling. Like, she was only drawing about 3%. Uh, And with a field that big with low voter turnout, with a very dramatic scene that happened with a uh, local elect- elected, uh, representative, Robert Martwick that drove her numbers up because he confronted her at a press conference. Uh, this big six foot guy with barrel chested pointing in her face and yelling at her, you know, and she's about five feet tall, you know, gay black woman, uh, it helped give her a boost. And, um, and so we have mayor Lightfoot who is to say the least embattled, um, for a variety of reasons. And, and also during a pandemic. So the, the, again. Going
0: up and battled as a way to
1: characterize it here? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, there, there's, her, her approach um, is unique, I think, in, 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 uh, I mean, I don't know if you've seen some of the emails. Not just, you know, the the front page of the Sun Times had a chalkboard when she sent out the, her campaign sent out this email says, "I will not email CTU and city of Chicago, city of Chicago colleges." Well, she had an email that was similar to that in tone, where it was like very repetitive and kind of condescending, and uh, and and so uh, there's been some there's been some drama. I would say would be the best way to put it. Um, so there are a lot like so Congressman Chuy Garcia, Brandon Garcia, they're, they're Brandon Johnson. There's a lot of folks who are getting uh, support, f- significant support from unions, whether it's CTU, SEIU. The labor unions are throwing in with other candidates. Uh, and, and so there I mean, there, there is significant support and union support for Lori Lightfoot. But it, I think you're going to see a lot more drama as we get closer and closer to the election at the end of February. So you've got. Uh, and yeah, go ahead.
0: Seems likely headed to a runoff, then, I would imagine. Oh, 100%. With the the big field here, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I heard Sentita Jackson talking to, I think it was Sentita this morning, saying, oh, so you think there's going to be a runoff? I mean, with nine candidates, uh, I think it's more than probable. It's, yeah. I would count on it.
0: Got a fun couple months ahead here in Chicago, don't you? Uh,
1: A couple months. It's only five weeks, I think, is all we have left.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's kind of crazy.
0: These uh, things creep up on you.
1: They do, don't they? And look, I mean, what happens in Chicago does affect Wisconsin, just like what happens in Wisconsin affects Chicago and Illinois in general. I mean, even I was just talking about public transportation. We have a metro line that goes to Kenosha. Uh, you know, I, I, we feel pretty tied, I think, in many ways to Wisconsin. Uh, and, and look, people here who are doing well and, and feel comfortable enough to go spend their money in Wisconsin. It has an impact, don't you think?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, I think those of us in Milwaukee should be paying more attention to to what's happening in Chicago as well, you know, it's it's you know part of our Great Lakes economy, and yeah, like that, right. It's part of the Midwest economy. So much of it runs through Chicago, you know. And and what happens in Milwaukee, what happens in Chicago, you know, it all affects each other. It's all part of that same you know regional ecosystem that we're all in. So I think it's important that we uh, you know pay attention to what each other's
6: doing.
1: It, exactly. And the other thing is, one of the uh, candidates in the six three zero wanted to point something out to me, and I think I, I might not have been clear about this. Uh, I do know this. So Uh, in the city of Chicago, all city employees must live within the city limits. Police, fire, garbage, sanitation, everybody, anyone employed by the city of Chicago. And one of the candidates, uh, Paul Vallis, and I I don't know if he's saying so my point to the 630, I don't know if he was saying just first responders or all city workers. Uh, He's he's, uh, proposing that they are not required, that they can live anywhere they want, which again could affect Wisconsin because, you know, there are folks from Chicago who maintain their permanent residency in Indiana or Wisconsin. So, again, another thing that could have an impact with uh, going across the state line.
0: Yeah, very interesting, very interesting. You know, the residency rule was something that we had a debate over here in Wisconsin, too, over the last few years. They uh, got rid of it uh, under Scott Walker.
1: And how did that? De- so, one of the callers from Indiana was saying in their community, they, they feel that not having the people who are invested in the community, in, in particular police officers, that it has had an effect on the feeling of feeling, if not the actual numbers of safety. Have you has that been at all an issue in Wisconsin?
0: It absolutely has. I mean, in since they got rid of the residency rule, you know, a number of years ago when when Scott Walker was governor. Uh, in Milwaukee, I think about, especially for the police force, it, you know it, various uh, you know various studies looking at various city departments and where people live. But I think about half of the uh, officers for the Milwaukee Police Department have moved out of the city proper. Uh, and into the suburbs since that rule took effect. And I believe that was 2016 or 2017 once once that officially went into effect. Uh, So it's definitely had an impact, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and and that's a concern. And I was was also, so in our city, uh, the first responders, for the most part, um, and maybe that's a, a painting people with a broad with a, with a broad brush but in my experience a lot of uh, police officers and firefighters first responders tend to live on the edges of the city as far away from communities that they might you know be working more where they have a concentration of squad cars and activity so they tend to live you know closer to the the suburbs the you know more quiet areas where there's a little bit maybe a little more space a little more you know our, our neighborhood is one of the safest in the city of Chicago, and we have—I uh, think, if I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, last I heard is about 25% of first responders live in our police district. Does that is that the case in Milwaukee as well?
0: Yeah, it, it, at least at least it was before they got rid of the residency right. requirement. I, I don't know if the people who were living kind of on the you know the far the more you know closer to the suburban cities parts of the city have maybe you know crossed over uh, into you know Milwaukee County as opposed to the city of Milwaukee uh, over the last few years as well. But you, you, you can really tell you know even in like city elections, like we had our race for mayor last year, and there was um you know a, a candidate who had a lot of support on, uh, you know, kind of the far southwest side of the city uh, traditionally. But I think a lot of the people who had supported him, uh, hes you know, more of a conservative. Uh, he had a lot of support within the police union, things like that. I think a lot of the people who were supporting him moved out of the city. Wow, uh, since he since he had last uh, run and, and and had been on the common council uh, for a number of years, so I think you know it's it's really it's it's been a major factor in the changing dynamics of the city. Like Milwaukee, its population was basically flat from from 2010 to 2020, and you know I think a lot of people have pointed at a variety of reasons for why, but I think we lost about you know. Several thousand people moved out of the city because of the, losing the residency requirement.
1: And was the what was the argument for it? Was that they a few people felt as though it was a restriction on their freedom? Was it because they they wanted to get away from where they have to work? I, I'm trying to. I, I know that there are different arguments as to why uh, they want to lift those restrictions. Do you remember what some of the arguments were?
0: Yeah, I mean there there were a number of them. You know, it's it, it was kind of it was a very kind of. Uh, state of Wisconsin, conservative state of Wisconsin versus liberal city of Milwaukee type of debate that unfolded. Uh, you know, it was the, the mayor of Milwaukee at the time, Tom Barrett, had run against Scott Walker twice and lost to him twice. And so I think there was a lot of um, there was a lot of politics behind that decision. And, but I also think, you know, the, the Walker and the Republicans are making the argument that people should have the freedom to, you know, freedom to live where they want and, and, and all of that. Um, you know, even if they're not necessarily as perhaps invested in the city, if they're not living within the, uh, the city's borders. So it's definitely had an impact here. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. Do you, do you mind? I know that we started a little bit late. Do you mind if we if you stick around for another segment? Do you have time? Sure. Oh, excellent! I appreciate yes, I it. I, I didn't mean—I don't mean to take advantage of your time. Uh, we're hanging out with Dan Schaefer, the creator and publisher of the Recombobulation Area. You can follow him on Twitter and uh, and follow all the stories that he is covering. He's also a contributor to Heartland Signal, which you can follow at HeartlandSignal.com as well as their Twitter, our Twitter account. Let's take a break here. We'll continue our conversation when we come back. Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. Uh, Betty, I'll—I'll I'll come back to your uh, bike lane conversation if you don't mind in just a little bit uh, and we will continue in just a moment
2: you've been working hard all day and didn't have time to catch up on the news during work and
4: that phone just wouldn't stop
2: we've got you covered joan esposito live local and progressive
4: we will fight as many places
6: and as many times as it takes to get this power back
2: joan esposito afternoons from 2 to 5 p.m wcpt 820 this is
5: wcpt 820 where facts matter
2: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820.
1: We are hanging out with the re areas. Dan Schaefer, he keeps us uh, up to date on a lot of things going on in Milwaukee and Wisconsin. He is a columnist, and he also contributes to the Heartland Signal news uh, page as well. So thank you so much for hanging out with us, everybody. And thank you, Dan, for being patient. As uh, I'm, I'm I, I don't know about you, but I have had the worst. Do uh, you know a lot of people in your life that are ha- having the worst colds and flus of their lives?
0: Oh, absolutely. It's been a ridiculous cold and flu season. I'm a parent of two young kids, uh, and they, uh, you know, they have been petri uh, dishes <laughs> for various cold and flu's coming into the house over the last few months. So. We've actually been good for the last few weeks. It's uh, it's like the few months before that that we had just about everything in sight come through our house. So maybe it's moving down to Chicago now. I guess.
1: Yeah, this has been this has been brutal, and uh, and this one just kind of came. It seems to hang on, and it's hard to like cough around people because I'm like I've been testing. I swear I don't have COVID. Uh, but I mean, like we all have to be diligent. We have to be careful. And uh, and is is Milwaukee one of those? I mean, it, it is. It's one of those things now where I feel like like I'm often the only person wearing a mask in certain situations. Do you guys have people that are still trying to wear the mask?
0: Yeah, there's there's not too much mask wearing uh happen anymore, you know. It's, it's there's there's some, you know, kind of indoor facilities and events and things like that where people wear you get some people wearing masks and things like that. But uh not not seeing too much of it. I was at the Bucks game in Milwaukee last night and that's, you know, 18,000 people in the arena and up maybe five of them wearing a mask so Ooh. not much
1: of it anymore and how did they how'd your team do how they won oh excellent of course they won i don't know i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, I again. I have never followed sports so lightly. And I mean, I used to be. I, fo- I used to follow the Cubs and the Bears, and you know, uh, even the Bulls and the Blackhawks. I just, for some reason, I don't know. I I've lost my zest. I uh, I don't know. It's just not my. It's not my it, part for me. It's the Ricketts owning the Cubs. That was my team, uh, and that just kind of sure. put a big damper on it for me. But that's that's just me. I mean, if they didn't have such a well, I've, yeah. Go ahead. Per,
0: perhaps similarly, I, I'm, I'm. Much less excited about the Green Bay Packers uh, these days than than perhaps I was in the past. So oh, I'm a little tired of the Aaron Rodgers yeah. uh, theatrics. I could I could do without that for a little while. I'm, I'm just going to focus on Mar our, our. uh Championship contender, Milwaukee Bucks.
1: Yeah, it, 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 it has an effect. It dampens my enthusiasm. And actually, it kind of kind of killed it. But that's me. That's that's just, you know, that's my take. OK, so my husband and I were, were talking about this, uh, the election, ter- the uh, voter turnout in Milwaukee. And I, I was I was I felt like I was trying to quote you about uh, the fact that so who's excited about the fact that fewer black and Hispanic voters turned out and that like, they're just bloating, gloating about it.
0: Yeah, so this is what it was reported last week, and it's, uh, you know, it's become a pretty big story in Wisconsin over the past, uh, past few days. But there was a Republican appointed official on the Wisconsin Elections Commission, uh, which is a bipartisan board. There's three Republicans and th- three seats are appointed by Republicans, three seats appointed by Democrats. And one of those appointed by Republicans, uh, a guy named Bob Spindell, and he was one of the 10 fake electors. Uh, in the uh. fake electors plot in 2020 to try to overthrow the election. Uh, that didn't stop the Republicans in the state legislature for reappointing him to another term after he did that. Uh, and so he got on that, that additional term. Uh, and after the most recent election, where the turnout in Milwaukee was down slightly from the previous midterm in 2018, he sent an email to his uh, fellow Republicans boasting about how uh, how how they were, you know, uh, he was bragging about voter turnout being down, particularly in Black and Hispanic neighborhoods. Uh, you don't often hear, you know, you you always hear the kind of coded language, right? Uh, that Republicans will use to uh, suppress votes in communities of color in Milwaukee, but rarely do you hear somebody come out and say it as explicitly as Mr. Bob Spindell uh, did last week. So since then, you know, we we, we wrote a. I, uh, I published a piece at the recombination Area uh, from uh, Angela Lang, who runs a organization called Black Leaders Organizing for Communities here in Milwaukee. Uh, she wrote about how, you know, she talks about all the time how, how voter suppression targets people uh, in black communities in Milwaukee. She does. She's, her group does a ton of ton of outreach uh, in the city. And, you know, she always talks to people about how what an impact voter suppression has. Uh, and here we have somebody talking about how that is literally the Republican strategy in Milwaukee, is to try to discourage people from voting, make it harder for people to vote. And it's it's just pretty ridiculous. So we've had, um, you know, a number of things happen since then. Uh, some of his fellow, some of the Democratic commissioners on that uh, Wisconsin Election Commission have called for him to resign. Today we had Uh, all of the Democrats, almost all of the Democrats in the uh, Wisconsin State Senate uh, calling him to resign. It it was an appointment made by the Republican Majority Leader in the State Senate. Uh, So, you know, relevant to to that office there. Uh, And that Republican Majority Leader, Devin LeMahieu, so far has refused comment on the issue. Uh, So he would technically be able to rescind this appointment and appoint somebody else, which is uh, you know, has happened uh, on that board uh, a couple different times. Uh, but so far, nothing happening here, uh, even though he's bragging about voter suppression. It's pretty ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I, I, I get the feeling like more and more people are just saying the things out loud. As you mentioned, there's, you know, coded language that people would use to celebrate the fact that they had suppressed the voice of the people. But I uh, the fact that he's crediting, you know, the economy as a success. I mean, what I mean, what would you say is the job of the elections commissions? For me, it's like to make sure that people aren't breaking the law. Right. And make sure that people have access to the vote, I would I would assume to polling places. And, yeah, information, and,
0: and it, right? you know, we've had we've had so many conversations over the past couple of years about just how elections are administered. Right. The Republicans are finding all sorts of weird little problems. With every little thing, every thread they could possibly pull in their, you know, "quote unquote" election integrity, uh, which is always just, you know, just meaning to uh <laughs> to press votes and things like that. And, and you know, they're saying they're saying the quiet part out loud now. Is that's how uh, Anne Lang put it uh, in the piece that we had uh, on the uh, on the recombination area. Uh, and and so it's yeah, it's uh, it's pretty discouraging uh, that that this is just literally their, their strategy. And, and, it, you know, he's supposed to be in a position, you know, to kind of protect democracy and, and, and uphold these values of, of, uh, you know, people's votes counting the way that they should. And, and obviously he's, he's doing the opposite. Um, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully something will happen there. I, you know, I, the, the calls for him to resign have, have been increasing uh, over the last few days with the, uh, the Senate Democrats uh, making a call on that today so we'll we'll see where that goes from here
1: well I was gonna say I mean you know calls for someone to resign I, I'm trying to think of anything in the in recent memory where that has been efficient in you know bringing yeah. around some sort of form of justice because there's no other recourse I'm guessing if the Republicans don't want to remove him well, I mean it, the, I, I would imagine that there isn't there isn't even the illegal aspect to it it's like this is just his job.
0: Yeah. If he, so basically what they're saying is they're calling him to resign. And if he's not willing to resign, they're asking for the Republican majority leader of the Senate to rescind that appointment. Right. If he doesn't do that, there's again, there's not a whole lot they yeah. can do because his appointment runs uh, for, I believe, through
6: 2026.
0: So, oh, so yeah. I think he was reappointed for, I believe, last year he was reappointed for another four-year term. Um, so.
1: Yeah. <sighs> I, I, mean, I don't know what to tell people but faith in our institutions is kind of important. It it just and we, we, I can't. It's just insane. All right, let's turn our attention to the uh, most important race in Wisconsin, if not one of the most important in the country coming up in the in the spring, which is the Supreme Court race of Wisconsin. You have the numbers for uh, fundraising. And I've tried to explain to people, you know, I know that it shouldn't matter. But in a lot of cases, and for the most part, it does, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, the more and more you, you cover politics or you're in the political universe, you know how much this, the fundraising aspect of it matters. And, and we had some stories, uh, some reports out today uh, on the fundraising numbers for the four candidates who are in the mix for Wisconsin Supreme Court. Uh, and there's a pretty clear leader right now, and that is the liberal candidate Janet Protasiewicz. Uh, She is a Milwaukee Circuit Court judge who is running for the Wisconsin Supreme Court, and she raised more than the other three candidates combined. So she is off to a pretty excellent start in the fundraising. Obviously, there are, you know, some important context here, which is that she had been running for basically the entire year. A couple of the conservative candidates didn't jump into the race until fall, or even uh, one candidate didn't join until after the midterms. So they weren't obviously fundraising for as long as she did, but this is, I think, a very significant lead uh, and shows her as a very formidable candidate uh, going into the the February twenty first primary, if not the April fourth general, general election as well. Uh, so I think uh, I think she's you know I think it's a it's a really important thing to note how far ahead. She is from everybody else. You know, there are two liberal candidates and two conservative candidates uh, who will be on the ballot for the primary. Uh, and then the top two vote getters will um, will go from there and be part of the general election. So uh, proto uh is one. It seems like she has a significant lead as being the liberal candidate to emerge from that. Uh, and then the two conservative candidates were pretty even uh, in fundraising at uh, about three hundred thousand dollars apiece. Uh, again, both of those far behind, uh, pro to say what it said, about $750,000. So.
1: Well, and and for people who are like, well, it, you know, it shouldn't matter how much money somebody, you know, if someone's a good candidate. But at the end of the day, one, it's a way of getting your message out and letting people know, one, that they can actually vote for Supreme Court justice, which doesn't happen that often, either whether it's in Wisconsin or in Illinois. And it it shows that somebody has can ask people to invest in what they're doing, basically, uh, they, they've made a convincing story. Do you have any sense of whether that's a lot of big money donors or is it is she getting like, you know, sort of that grassroots five and ten dollars?
0: I, I think it's a good mix. I think you know she is getting some big money donors. I think there are you know the, the people who are paying attention know how important this is. So you're getting you're getting some big money donors on both sides of the aisle. But she, I think she's pretty getting a pretty uh, pretty interesting mix. You know, not just the not just the like the one of the other candidates in the in the race, uh, Daniel Kelly, who's getting all kinds of money from the U lines. Oh,
1: there you go. Uh, so exactly.
0: That's. Uh, that is a big part of what's happening on the conservative side of this race.
1: Yeah, I'm of the feeling that there are people who contribute because they believe in a candidate, and there are people who contribute because they want power. They want to consolidate power in some way. And look, I mean, that's that's part of why Citizens United is so scary. Is We can go on and on about that. Are there other stories that you're following that we should know about?
0: Yeah, um, you know, there's a number of things... Uh, that let's see, let's see, uh, that uh, I've been taking a look at uh, here in in Wisconsin lately. The Bendel story that we talked about, the Wisconsin Elections Commission, and the uh, and the story about the um, state Supreme Court are the big ones. I'm am actually working on a story right now uh, that I'm doing in partnership with my friends at Milwaukee Record. They're more of an entertainment publication, but it's on a, 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 a documentary short uh, that is currently available on Disney Plus uh and it is focusing on uh, a business called Ader Flag, which is the largest manufacturer of flags and flagpoles in the country and it's located right here in Milwaukee County. Uh and most of the people working there are immigrants and refugees. Uh so it is a very interesting documentary and I got to uh talk to the filmmakers, got to talk to this couple of the people who are who are in the film, uh and it's a really, really phenomenal story being told there and I and I encourage people to uh to uh Check that one out if you have the opportunity.
1: What's the name again, so people can can write that down?
0: The the name of the film is The Flag Makers.
1: The Flag and Makers.
0: It is a documentary short. The runtime's about 35 minutes, uh, and it is on the short list for an Academy Award. Oh. And it is focusing on a business right here uh, in Milwaukee County. Uh, and it is, you know, they, this is a place that makes most of the flags that you'll see around the country. They make the flag that flies outside the Statue of Liberty. Wow. Um, you know, so... Wild. Uh, Very, very interesting business and very interesting, I think, for a lot of people to understand that, you know, you have this incredibly diverse mix of people from all over the world who are sewing these flags and and making these flagpoles and shipping them out to all all places all over the country. Um, And, uh, you know, the, the film goes into there's somebody who works there who fled a hurricane in Puerto Rico and... Lived in a refugee camp in Tanzania and was a prisoner of war in Bosnia and, and fled war in Iraq. All sorts of different people from all over the world who are who are making the you know symbol of our country, which is uh, you know as, as as the filmmakers told me when I interviewed them the other day. They talked about when they went into this, thinking about how the flag had been co opted by uh, you know certain folks uh, in the on the conservative side of things over the past few years, and and so I think this. The the documentary really shows a, you know, really nuanced, layered portrayal of, you know, people from Milwaukee and people from all over the world who, who make these flags.
1: Outstanding. Well thank you for letting us know about the flag makers and you said it's available on Disney Plus?
0: Currently on Disney+. Plus. Yep, it's a National Geographic film, so I believe it's uh, airing on that channel as
1: well. Oh, thank you for letting us know. That's why it's great to follow Dan Schaefer on the Recombobulation Area. Stories like that, uh, Everything Wisconsin, plus his enthusiasm for the Bucks and his hatred for the Raptors. Uh, all things that you should be following on Dan Schaefer's uh, Twitter page. And uh, and, fi- and also su- subscribe to the Recombobulation Area. Uh, again, my apologies for running late today, but I look forward to talking to you next week if you're available. Absolutely. Outstanding. Have a great rest of your week, Dan.
0: Thank you. You as well.
1: Take, take care. Thank you. Thank you. And when we come back, we'll take your call, Betty. I know you've been on hold for a while, so I appreciate it. More after this on WCPT 820. And coming up at 6, we're going to check in with our good friend, Tim Walco. I need a good laugh, although it might make me cough, so we'll see what happens. More in a moment on the Heartland Signal.
5: You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter.
2: Vasquez is taking your calls now. Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, now on WCPT 820.
1: And we are grateful that Betty has hung in there. Betty, what's on your mind today, Betty? Hello.
6: Hey. Okay, so dedicated bike lanes... Is that, I mean, does, do we have a better plan than what the city's already tried?
1: Um, I mean, there are places where it's worked better around the world. Uh, there are cities that have yeah. been able to... I mean, look, Mexico has uh, been able to create protected bike lanes and significant amounts of them, places like Copenhagen. Uh, I know that England has done better about it. I mean, there are ways to do it. And is it is it easy? I mean, we are willing to spend 10 years, 10 years and a ton of money on the burn interchange, right? Right. Uh, I, I yeah. think that we can invest in pedestrians and our communities as well.
6: Yeah, I mean, I mean, because they tried to do some sort of dedicated protected lanes on Milwaukee, and they lost parking spaces, and they don't seem to be like well thought out. It doesn't seem to be working, and they they're- look more like somebody's going to run them over before. Yeah. They- yeah, but but we chose we chose to have bike lanes on Elston and Milwaukee because, you know, those aren't congested or anything already. Yeah. Uh,
1: and look, I, I am with you because it seems very uh, haphazard. there there are places where there's like uh, it looks like a block, like a half a block of dedicated bike lane. And then all of a sudden you ha- are in front of a CTA bus. Like it just you yeah. kind of go off a little yeah. bit to the side. and You've got, you know, 20 feet of protection and then good luck. It's very it's very yeah. slapdash. I think that's the phrase I'm looking for. Slapdash.
6: Yeah, but it's and it doesn't. It's like, did you you know? And I don't think is there any east west streets that have dedicated bike lanes. I don't even think you know because you would think going towards the lake that would be a good idea. I think that there are
1: some, think- and they're usually painted ones, right? And you'll get out of here. Like, I, I'm trying yeah. to learn how to do the Dutch reach, which is reopening your car door with your right hand so that you're forced to look over yeah. your shoulder to see if there's a, a you know, bicyclist coming. Uh, but I'll And then I'll look down to see if I'm even opening my door into a car lane. And sometimes you'll see, like, a few inches. It look like, looks like it might be for the cyclist. I don't know how you would navigate that. but. Yeah. I yeah, it doesn't you know yeah
6: and and you see now because they have it on Milwaukee and down division Ashland and Milwaukee, which is a you know a gigantic intersection you'll see a lot of people riding bikes, and I'm just like it looks like a game of tetris, yeah, we're just wondering you know who's getting who's actually getting across and who's gonna get run over yeah if It just doesn't doesn't look like it's a good plan at all. No,
1: it doesn't. And look, I know that I I get that there are parts in the world where they they prioritize it. And it's not like, you know, we might think, well, you know, it gets really cold and snowy here. So why, you know, so much of the year dedicated to that. But I will tell you this much. It gets really cold in Copenhagen. We were there in the wintertime. And it's like an entire lane with curbs on either side. When, When I say protected bike lanes, I mean, like, it's its own little mini roadway alongside the rest of traffic.
6: Yeah. Like it's, but we don't seem to, to be able to plan that mm-hmm. at all. No, yeah. I don't. Yeah, because like I said, the the ones that they the protected lanes that they tried to put up in Milwaukee just look like that's you know going to be it's going to be a hazard at some point, and then they're just going to take them out and go, well, that didn't work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's
1: a uh, it takes uh, it takes uh, uh, somebody with the The desire to lead and make this happen, I think is gonna be a big part of it and uh and again, I mean, there are places in the world where it didn't seem like it was ever gonna happen, and yet people had the fortitude, the determination to get it done and uh and yeah, I mean it, it's not great well, to say you're 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 gonna take away some of the parking spaces, but the goal is to have people less reliant on their cars. I mean, every time something goes up, people're like, Well, where's the parking gonna go? you know.
6: Well, except it's parking for businesses right? that don't have, you know, par- I mean, look at Six Corners. Six Corners is, you know, dead because you don't have the parking. You know, it's nobody goes there anymore unless they're going to Jewel or, you know, one of the places where you can get into a big parking lot. Right. Because if nobody walks. Everybody drives their car to, you know.
1: Right. Well, and that's, and that's why I'm so fascinated that the all the businesses up along Milwaukee Avenue near closer to the Jefferson Park Terminal aren't better because that, that's a, a no brainer when it comes to people being able to take public transportation to go shopping there. But, you know, people use it just to, to get home and to work. And, you know, you want to encourage people to, to, to work and, and shop and eat in their neighborhoods. You know, we need more walkable communities so that you can go from where, you know, where you live and walk to the walk a few blocks and go to the grocery store or go to a boutique or go to a a great coffee shop. That's, I mean, that should be the goal is to have more walkable communities and bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. That's.
6: But, you know, and then we have the, you know, we just, we don't dedicate the space to it. We're like, okay, well, we'll, we'll put up an apartment building with less parking spaces because that'll make people take public transportation. No, it won't. It just makes them park their cars on the street. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I
1: hate to say it, folks, but I, I am of the mind that it's time to start thinking about not prioritizing, you know, people, a single person vehicle, uh, over the safety and ease of use for people who want to use bikes and walk and public transportation. Mm-hmm. Yeah?
6: No, well, but until we fix our public transportation Yeah, that's a problem, too. Issue. Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah. You're this right there. About the, about the, <laughs> ask, ask, the, ask the candidates for mayor. Are they allowed to fire the CTA board? Is that in there? I have scope? questions about that, too.
1: The <laughs> same thing when it comes to, like, the Chicago Park District. Like, what are these... How are these entities outside of the scope of what the city of Chicago can decide, you know, how, how it's going to be run and whether or not it's efficient, you know, and, and safe?
6: Who, who appoints the... I, I want to know who appoints the CTA board and can they be fired? <laughs>
1: These are great. And I and I don't have the answer off the top of my head. I feel like I knew and then I forgot about it because there's so many people arguing about it. Thanks so much, Betty. I appreciate it. <laughs> have a good one. All right. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Let's take a break here. And we'll check in with our friend Tim Walco after the news and uh, see what's on his mind. Talk to you in a moment.
5: Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter.
2: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820.
1: I'm so excited to have in the studio with us a comedian, Tim Walco, one of my great friends in comedy who I've known for, God, now it's going to be over 25 years, Tim. Could
7: be at least that. At least, me. yeah. That's, how, that's the last time I changed strings on this guitar. I thought
1: you were telling me. The first week. How often are, good I, I have no idea. I've never, i Some
7: I, people, um, our good friend Tim Kavanaugh, uh-huh. wonderful comic, he changes them every show. No. Yeah.
1: Does he really? Yeah. Okay.
7: God bless him. Sure. And, uh,
1: How about Skip? I, I'm going to go through all of our uh, it's, musician It's friends. all
7: an individual thing. And as a bass player, which I really am, you never change strings. Okay. Klaus Vorman, who played with the Beatles, and John Lennon, he's never changed strings.
1: Do you feel that... 30 it, years. Do you feel that it holds the energy of the last 20 years to not change them? It has a... It has a no,
7: it's just laziness. <laughs> the bass only has four strings. Don't even change that. I'm just, I, I thought it, it was used something... to boil them in the old days. Really? Yeah, boil the bass strings.
1: Is it to soften them? It's or the dirt different... off them. Okay, fair enough. A little grime. It's <laughs> a long time ago. Well, plus, like, I and mean, that guitar's been through a lot then. I mean, like, when we used to do clubs back in the 90s, it was, like, you'd come home and it would smell like smoke, and it would all cling to everything.
7: This guitar, I, I at KG Riddles, the club that's one of the clubs closed. Well, I was drinking for quite a bit, and uh, it lived under the stage for two years. No, yeah, you know, yeah. I thought someone stole it, and when they tore the club apart, they go, "Welcome, this is your guitar I went." Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I missed it for twenty-four months. She
1: just left it I was to the stage. I got, at KG I got, another
7: KG I got another one. Another one. It's <laughs> right here. right now.
1: There yeah, it is. It is. Dared when you were a bands, like in the sixties,
7: 16- Yeah, 70s, yeah, 60s to 80s. I didn't do comedy till I was like 110, no, until 1983. Cool. Wow. I played professionally since I was 17, so.
1: I can't even imagine what comedy was like in the 80s when it was really taking off.
7: It, I got here right in time. I was in L.A. in a group, a comedy group, and I worked from a group to a duo, to holding the, the guitar, to not using the guitar, mm-hmm. my transition, but I still use it at the end of the shows. I like to play. And I love the music. I miss it. And I, I quit music because I was pretty good, but two of the guys in my band, the Eddie Boy band, were so good, they both written number one songs. Oh, okay. So, no. see you later. <laughs> I should have been nicer to them. <laughs> I should have been nicer.
1: That, I, I have that feeling sometimes. I had no regrets, Tim. That's what we have to live with. You got
7: to go to we, tomorrow. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, and I realized that they were on a high level of playing, and I was good. Good yeah. as good as... Uh, they have a paper route at right. that point when they had newspapers. Now we just throw computers at the houses. The kids that had paper routes.
1: <laughs> yeah, really. Here's a digital web page. <laughs> <laughs>
7: digital web <webpage> through <laughs> your window. Oh,
1: my God. Oh, you Lord. Know with uh, a comedian, uh, Paul Farvar I have been talking about this, uh, the, you know, uh, the idea that comedy is now driven by TikTok
7: views. News is driven by TikTok. That's even more frightening.
1: It's all frightening. But almost all the comics are—they're all doing crowd work.
7: I've oh no! Seen, I've
1: even seen specials where they're kind of like, well, oh, "I have too." I have what, too. What, what, I mean, did anyone ever? I saw this recently. Hey, remember that great car uh, crowd work that George Carlin used to do? No,
7: he didn't do any. No, certain guys have the gift for that. Right. Um, sure, but it's not—not not everybody. And no one—not everybody wants wants to do it. I feel like they're trying to challenge us. Well, I'm, it's not it's, as I always say. When, when when did you come to rehearsal? You weren't invited to rehearsal. This is my show. Yeah. And people, you know, you can do a couple things, but it's basically for people that don't write. <laughs> or if you have a real talent.
1: Yes. Like Pat McGann. Pat McGann
7: the- has that talent. Jimmy Brogan has that talent. Yeah. A lot of us have a little bit of that talent, but we'd rather work on our craft. Yeah, But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's... It's a it's a cluster thing. Yes, a cluster thing. Right now.
1: I, I, uh, I was doing a, an event uh, and someone, this guy was being really loud, right? And and in he, he, the fact that I was trying to get him to quiet down, he was like offended by that. And I was like, dude. Oh,
7: yeah. He paid $7.07 to get in.
1: But, but can you imagine Shut if everybody up. thought that they were the ones, like, it would be chaos. It's
7: the old joke. I don't go down to the corner and yell at your mother. <laughs> It's not
1: okay, is what we're saying.
7: Well, that's no, not okay.
1: Does it help to have a guitar sometimes? Like- it
7: help, put it this way. The, I can do... I'm older, obviously, and I, I like to do more mature audiences, but I can do... I can do any crowd because what I do, I work fast. I'm still funny no matter what age I am. I think
1: right, absolutely.
7: But the guitar, the worse the, the, cr- worse the set, I mean, the tougher the set, the earlier the guitar comes out.
1: That's what I was thinking.
7: If you see it at the beginning, there are these loud mouths and heckling. I just turn it up. Yeah, that's the beauty of an electric guitar.
1: And that's like, like New Year's Eve is one of the hardest. Amateur night. So night. Oh my god! And I remember I was working with uh, Taylor Mason years ago at St. Charles. I'm like, yeah, this is what people should see: is a puppet or a musician, and like they, they're not going to focus on. On um, content, you know what I mean. No, of I'm, course, not. I'm, I'm talking. It's,
7: it's amateur night. I did yeah. a great show for Nick Gazer down at the Bridges uh, Club in uh, Griffith, Indiana. The 219ers that are in the audience, and they had a wonderful crowd. That's because a great room. They were room. a little older, and they were they loved Nick, and they loved the show. It was fantastic. Yeah. Other other New Years, it's just. Please, when do we get this over with?
1: Yeah, I, I was... Okay, I don't know if I should say this out loud. I had a, I had a wonderful evening at the Kenosha Comedy Club in, uh, you know, the Wyndham, right? Good for you. Thank you. And the... but the, Okay, I'm trying to remember this comic's name. Uh he goes uh, he, I can't do any of this on the air because uh, the owner had told him to keep it kind of PG-13 and I'll tell you this off the air uh, but he he started into this joke about his wife orally gratifying him mm-hmm. and that she couldn't speaking loudly because he wasn't because he was so small she had to do it in a different way and I was like I just started walking away just laughing he opened that with that he that was what he wanted to use He's, he was running it past the comedy club owner as like is this too dirty and I just started cackling because it was so off-color. I'm <laughs> like, you know, sometimes you work with comics, you're like, really? Is
7: this, is this? I had a friend, a guy who worked with a young comic in Cleveland. He's a really good guy. Good looking kid. He's got nice material. He sent me Dave. Is this good to send out? And the first five minutes he's talking about uh, sexual yeah. abuse by priests. Oh, that's yeah. a good opener. Big yeah, opener. Break, you know, that's good. That's good. How about put that in, your, in the back of your pocket? Right. You know, it's a rectory. Anyway, <laughs>
1: So, you know, we are on during uh, the uh, rush hour. Are we? It's uh, kind of. Um, And fortunately, I'm not actually doing the traffic updates anymore, but you have, uh, for folks who are sitting in traffic, you have a little something for
7: them? Yes, I do. It's uh, When you get in and you're doing the traffic, uh, a friend of mine wrote this, actually, Dow Thomas, a great comic. Who is, uh, somewhere in the universe. Uh, a tremendous comic out of Dayton. And it's about driving, so it's, uh, you know, maybe this song, When the Moon Hits Your Eye, Like a Big Pizza Pie. That's a moron. No, it's not. You've got cheese and <laughs> sticky things on your face. <laughs> so he wrote it for, uh, uh, so he wrote a different version for people that, uh, that drive poorly. When the guy with no brain cuts you off in your lane, that's a moron. <laughs> Fifteen miles he is gone With his damn brink around That's a moron Oh, his door is ajar And his seatbelt is out Making sparks on the sidewalk As he rolls about Roll down your window Put your head out and shout That's a moron (laughs) He slows down till you pass Now he's riding your Watch What? Moron Oh, he's accident prone He's texting on his cell phone He's a moron at a red light, you stop, he's tired squealing careen, then he lays on the horn when the light turns to green. him the bird and yells something absurd, that's a moron. There you go. Yes. I had that's the wrong chord there, Tim
1: really. Walco, I you know you know I have a terrible sense of music. I it's would The guitar's under great. the table
7: anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe Thomas was great. He wrote very original very original funny songs.
1: I love that. Well, how old were you when you started playing guitar?
7: When I played, uh, 17. So I missed the high school. I played trumpet, because that's good to sing with when you sing. All the girls love the guy with the trumpet. They go crazy. Well, if you were, yeah, 1938 they did. Okay. Because the clarinet (laughs) and the trumpet. No, the only reason they were popular is you could hear them. Oh, fair enough. And you gave the guitar player an amp, and you never saw a trumpet player again.
1: Wasn't it, uh, was it, uh, who played the trumpet in From Here to Eternity? Was that Montgomery Clift in, uh...
7: (laughs) Really? I I don't (laughs) uh, watch those stations, but... (laughs)
1: Uh, uh, Burt Lancaster and a uh, diver Yes, 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 yes. That was
7: great. Yeah, yes. that was good.
1: That's a good movie.
7: Yeah, no, it, it's a great instrument, but it's yes. just... It had its day...
1: You he play taps. Play uh, taps. No,
7: it, it. if you want to... Well, out. Uh, I uh, won't uh, go there. But, uh, yeah, it's no, it. No. My cat hates it. Dr. Bob does not like the trumpet. <laughs> Do you pull out the trumpet sometimes? To scare him when he's really you know. <laughs> he's, he runs the house, you know. Fair enough. Yeah. No, it's a great instrument, but I, I, I was a singer, so... I sang in the choir at the church. We had 80 people in our youth choir at Edgeworth Lutheran Church. Wow. A really great uh, teacher there. She was the pastor's wife. She was she was from the South, and I think she was pretty rhythmic. So we had 80 people in that choir.
1: And that's the one on Devon, right over, yeah, over by and there? Yeah,
7: Devon in Spokane. Yeah. Spokane near Hiawatha, by Nokomis, by the Indian Village, by the teepee, by Billy Caldwell. <laughs>
1: And That's the not, library. There's a library. There's right there. a library. There's a library. Yeah. They, just, they slap that right there. And, Let's put
7: the library over yeah. here.
1: That's just a weird stretch over there. On, it's not
7: normal. It's not normal. There's a commercial on one side, and then I don't know what's on the other yeah. side.
1: And that pizza joint always smells really good, though.
7: The, the one, oh, yeah, that's a great place. And, Villa Rosa. Yes. You get the lasagna. I recommend the lasagna. Really? Very uh, reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. You can two meals out of it for about $15. Nice. And it's excellent. And the, the garlic bread, you can give away to the squirrels. Yeah, that's fair. But most and garlic bread goes to squirrels.
1: That block is fascinating because you've got like that, and then and then the chocolate shop, which I don't know who decorates that thing. And then when they say, so have you ever been in there? They, they, oh,
7: the one next to the coffee shop? Uh, or it's, the one on uh, Devon?
1: What well, used to be the the 31 Flavors. It's on oh, Devon. No. It, it's always got like really... Oh, Tim, we got to go there sometime. It's psychedelic in there.
7: Like the, oh, the, 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 the ice cream, cream shop. Yeah, it's a friend of mine.
1: Yeah, oh, my God. That's Ron, crazy. I've
7: known Ron for years. Ron it's, does. He puts statues up. He dresses it up with costumes. He's yeah. He's a wild yeah. man. Yeah, it's a wild uh, place. Some people walk out.
1: It's. I think it's called the chocolate shop, isn't it? Yeah, it's it? fantastic. It's one of the best ice cream shops in the city. He's been
7: there for years. He's an old friend from back in the day when... We'd go home and go, where are we? What city are we in? <laughs> and uh, if you notice, he has really hip people working there.
1: Yeah. If you go in there and you're just looking at the flavors, they'll come out with all like they'll have like a whole fan of little those little spoons. I know. With, I know. And they hand out all the taste. It's a of it. great place. They come out with trays of water, you know, because you get thirsty with some ice cream and also the very strange decorations. It's I love all, it. He
7: does it for the season.
1: Yeah, and some of that is really political. Very political.
7: He's very political, yeah. It's
1: amazing. He's that. one of us. It's one of my favorite joints on the northwest side. We're hanging out with comedian Tim Walco. This weekend, he's going to be at the Rouse Center. Friday night. Friday night in Crystal Lake. Uh, at Lucy, Is it Lucy's Cafe? Lucy's,
7: yeah, Comedy Cabaret Cafe. Uh, excellent. It's great. They take the theater and they put the... The show on the stage to make a cabaret out of the large state. It's a wonderful place. Yeah, it's very cool. The Rao Center.
1: He'll be at the Rau Center for Lucy's Cafe this Friday night. What time is the show? 8.30. At 8.30. Central. It's amazing. It's going to be a great show. Central. You never know. They may be coming from somewhere in Indiana. I don't know why they're in a different time zone, but the, not even the whole state. Just part of it. 219's with us. That's right. They're with us. And they they might not want to admit to it, but they are. They are. More after this on WCPT 820. More music from Tim and comedy and conversation as well on the Heartland Signal.
5: Because facts matter. You are listening to
2: WCPT 820. You're listening
1: to Driving at Home with Patty
2: Vasquez on WCPT 820.
1: And we are driving at home with comedian Tim Walco. Uh, someone from the 847, by the way, one of our friends of the show, says, uh, You should see if Tim will let you use that jingle he's saying, especially on Fridays, when it's the end of the week and people are stressed after work uh, makes you laugh. It might even cut down on some of the road rage. I'll zone. tape
7: it with the right chords and for, give you a copy. Food for thought. Very fun. Well, friendly. thank you very much. Thank you.
1: Mm. Excellent. Uh, so you and I... It's funny, you know, I didn't I, I I didn't talk politics with very many comics for most of my career until I, I would say until Trump, probably.
7: Um, yeah I Fred, got into it earlier than that,
1: yeah, Fred Klett and i I love Fred. But, yes, great guy. Yeah, great, great guy, great comic. But we got into an argument. Oh, I will say this: he, when I called him when I was running for office, as you know, you got one of those phone calls from me because you call everyone you know when you're running for office and ask them for money. Of course. And Fred gave me gave me money yeah, because he believed man. in me. But we used to get in a lot of arguments. I about, would think about so. Clinton. Yeah, um, but I didn't like you and I never talked about politics. And then one day you and I were on the road, for, like some gig, in the suburbs, and uh, and and you just you'd had it with with Trump, with everything was going. on. Oh, like, I had it with, I I had like, it with I like, Nixon. I was like. I was like Tim's one of the good ones. I was so excited. I was in
7: in 1968. I I marched with uh, Dick Gregory and uh, Allen Ginsberg. Wow. The night of the riots. And that unfortunately was, maybe fortunately for me, I had to go to the hospital. My father passed away that night. Oh my God. That was a tough night. And yeah. uh, so I might, but I'm not going to start a fight with the cops. I know half of them. Sure. <laughs> so it was, there was, there was a lot of operatives from the CIA involved in that.
1: Well, I've told I you about my dad's story. My dad was a cab driver Yeah. and my dad was a Republican and, uh, and he, uh, I hate this story, but I'm going to tell it. and it's just so my dad would pick up Democrats from the hotels and then, uh, he wouldn't take them all the way to the convention center. He would drop them off in the middle of the protesting crowds. Well, he
7: had a sense of humor. He had a good yeah. sense of
1: humor. He's like, no, get out here. Get out. Get out of the car. You're done. You're done. Get out. Oh my God! And it, they, when he went to go renew his license, his driver's, uh, his, his cabby license, his livery license, uh, the woman pulled out a file going back to the sixties with complaints going back that far. Good for him. And she said, "Is there a lawyer or a police officer or a judge that you don't know or are related to that has gotten you out of all of this?"
7: Yeah. Well, that's the way it was, Chicago. Hey, that's yeah, the way it was.
1: That's the way it was. But here is the thing: he, uh, my dad was, uh, he was authentic and he was true to who he was. Uh, unlike. Do you get the feeling that Republicans just say whatever it takes to be in power? And now we're well, seeing now the-
7: they've changed. They've changed. That was the party. My father was a Republican. My father was president of a steel company. Okay? Um, but he was just a business Republican. Never did I hear a slur, a, slur, a right. racial slur, ever in our family. Ever. Ever. And uh, that's the way we grew up. Right. No, he, he didn't even like Roosevelt, man. But he wouldn't, you know, I remember one day we were arguing about it. He goes, "Sure, are gosh darn socialist. And he, it was like, there used to be socialists running for... Congress here, you know, and right. the presidency. Debs, come on. He didn't. He was what he was. He was a great guy and um, classy. They were classy. That wasn't for the Republicans. The civil rights law would never have passed.
1: And that's what they cling to without acknowledging that it's changed. Oh, the it's gay. frightening.
7: Yeah. Did you see what DeSantis did today?
1: What did What did he do today? He
7: wants black all all black studies not taught in the state of Florida.
1: Oh, DeSantis does it really? Yeah,
7: he he's, he's, it's a, for the anti gay law. Okay. So what a horrible little fascist. Always remember one thing. He wears a really cheap wig and he puts on makeup <laughs> every day. And why he doesn't like drag shows when he dresses up as a drag queen on a daily basis with those boots. I have no idea, Patty.
1: I have no idea. And I, I know that you uh, told me that you wanted to talk a little bit. Uh, of, we'll talk about George Santos after the, the break. But it, it there's no bottom to what Republicans see. Not
7: this party. It's not the Republican Party of, of right. any time. Of any time. Um, the Democratic Party was the party of racism for many years until um, Atwater talked Nixon into changing. So, yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's no, there's nothing. They're not. They're not good people. There are few, but they're so afraid to get primaried. Power is more important. And if they let this lunatic in, you put Marjorie Taylor Greene on the, def, on the, the homeland security. She's nuts. She was look. preaching. Please stop. Shut up. Yeah. Shut, get the New Testament. It's a lot better than the one you people quote.
1: Well, and then quoting it, I mean, so, you know, quoting Cruelness. Jesus and helping, yeah, helping the poor is Christian, uh, but helping the real poor is socialism. It's
7: yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. And no, it's, it's got taken over and Citizens United and let's face it, uh, the Internet, the money, the billionaires, the money they can give, it's changed You couldn't do that before. You couldn't pay. You were talking, I think, yesterday or the other day before about paying your own money when you ran for office. Mm -hmm. Now, the the law is you can pay your own money. Like Mitt Romney Mm -hmm. has a lot of money. He could use his own money. You cannot use money that was given to your campaign fund. That's a felony. That's the difference. But it's changed. And it's in the Internet. You know, I've seen some great people say everybody can find an opinion they can find and hang on to for no reason. There's no Walter Cronkite. No. There's no truth meter. You can go to some of these lunatics and t- what I do is I take like a rock and I drop it and I go, that's gravity. Do you understand that? Two and two is four. Right. There, no, it's, it's, it's not the same party and it's a frightening thing. It was really, really frightening.
1: And I was uh, talking to somebody about you know the the conservatives that are leaving, that are just leaving office, right? They're not leaving the party, but they're like, there's no room for me anymore. Whether they're moderates or just don't want to lean right. into the racism and the bigotry and the anti—I mean, just human, just being humane, right? Like whether it's leader Jim Durkin or um, uh, I don't know if Mark Batnick actually left because of that, but it's gotten too—it's just too extreme. And now I didn't realize that there are extreme groups who do- hate those guys they call them groomers or that they're fake GOP and they're rhinos well there are folks that want to call themselves awake Illinois as as their own party Awake the awake party awake not woke is what they're calling themselves
7: wow yeah awake is what we should have for the because they're not going to be, they're going to get slaughtered. <laughs> Demographics are changing no matter how much you cheat.
1: Well, but that's the thing is that, like, we think that, right? And then you see the videos. There's this video, there's a TikTok video, and you and I are talking about how TikTok is really having too much control over things. But there's this, we wonder how a six year old ends up with a gun in school and shooting his teacher. And you see these people teaching their, their toddlers and their kids how to fire
7: a gun. It's frightening. It's. Uh, every, every argument, and I grew up in Chicago, went to Chicago Public Schools, and I did a lot, you know, worked in nightclubs, been in a few altercations, and uh, nobody ever used a gun. A, a push becomes a shove, a yeah. shove becomes a punch, a punch becomes a, a hit. That's one thing, becomes a knife. But when every idiot, not trained idiot, yeah. has a gun, it's absolutely frightening. And if you need an assault weapon, there's something really wrong with you. Yeah. Because it's, it's only to kill other Americans. Think about that. Yeah. It is not to kill anyone else. No. They're waiting for us. Yeah. My friend became a private detective. He was with Jonathan Richmond, the Modern Lovers. That was a change. And he became a private detective. But he did four weeks of study, gun study at the LAPD. Oh, really? And you learn how to, you know, you learn how to responsibly have a weapon. I have no problem with that.
1: And you and you live around a lot. You and I both live around a lot of first responders. We were talking about this earlier. I don't know if you heard us talking about how Paul Vallis wants to remove the restriction for uh, residents.
7: That'd be the worst thing he could do. I lived in Los Angeles, and they had that there, and I was saying, don't the police officers and firefighters live? No. They'd come in from like Calabasas or way out in Silmar, hillbilly land from the Manson trial and come in and not the trial, the indictment and come uh, and just come beat people up and go back from one to another area where there are no people of color. And it's not right. You should live there. So you have a vested stake in it. So they live close to the edge. I have no problem with that. I have no problem. They also they may want to get away from where they were all day. That's, but you don't have to leave a city.
1: There's a one listener from the 708 says uh, their concern is that they're. I'm a, I'm a spouse of a city employee. The reta- requirement we live in the city has limited my options in some ways for employment. I understand the reasons for the rule, but it is definitely an annoyance at
7: times. I'm sure see. it can be for yeah. that. Yeah. But when you have a thing when you're dealing with crime or firefighting or you know, I think it should, you should live in the city. Yeah. You should have a vested stake in the city you live in. You know, they don't. I mean, they do. A lot of them do, but many don't. Right. in Los Angeles, they come from from Santa San Bernardino. They'll come in to beat people up and leave. I know that I was there. A lot of helicopters flying over here. You never need the helicopter over the house. <sighs> we rarely get that.
1: Yeah, it is weird in California. I I, I never wanted to stay there. You lived in California for I a while. I lived
7: there. Yeah, I moved out. I lived there for in the seventies, and then in the uh, late seventies, and then uh, I got out of music into comedy. So I came back here, and comedy took off. So I had so much work here. I yeah. didn't want to go. Back. I didn't want to go back until I was ready to go back and then I ended up on radio for a few years and I I made a I got 50,000 to leave. Let's not even talk about the story. Okay, sure enough. Best job I ever had. Nice. Good contract. <laughs> it's all food.
1: See, and that's, you know, that's the thing is that I uh is 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 that a description of the caller or is that what they want to say? <laughs> I was going
7: to what is
1: it? Patty <laughs> let has a cold, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. I'm, I'm fine, and, and uh, Tim's uh, taking my breath away. Ah. We are hanging out with Tim Walco. He'll be at the Rao Center this Friday. At, uh, Lu- is it Lucy's or Lulu's? Lucy's. Lu- Lucy's Cafe at the Rao Center uh, this Friday night. Uh, you can go check him out. What, do you know who we are with?
7: I'm not sure. I think That's Tim it. Banker's going to be there. Oh, yeah, Tim so Banker. We love Tim Banker. I, I don't remember the other person. That
1: sounds right. Uh, so Tim Walco is headlining this Friday night at Lucy's Cafe at the the rouse center it's on stage they they make a really lovely really lovely performance space for comedy uh go check them out we'll be right back after this on wcpt 820 heartland signal we are driving it home till seven
5: wcpt 820 chicago's progressive talk where facts matter
4: Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time.
1: Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern Rogers Park and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly.
2: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT eight twenty.
1: And joining me in studio is comedian, musician, songwriter, writer Tim Walco, <laughs> one of my great citizen, friends on the
7: Citizen, citizen,
1: Uh We've been uh, this um, George Santos story never ends. It I mean, never ends. It never ends. It never ends. He's on
7: committees now. Yeah, Small he shouldn't business. be on the homecoming committee. Yeah. <laughs> He shouldn't be on any committee. I <laughs> know.
1: Oh, Not small business, science and technology committees. Oh, my God.
7: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Did you see I saw a thing where this guy lived with him for three months. They lived with him. They lived in New York, and he was broke all the time, was selling his phone constantly for money to eat, and then all of a sudden he had a million dollars. Yeah. And this is the guy whose scarf he stole and wore on a January 5th, um, you know, I won't say riot, but precursor to the riot. And he's got it on. The guy goes, that's my scarf. Yeah. 560 dollars scarf. Jeez. That's a... Living in New York is tough. Why would you buy a scarf? Yeah. But he took it. He just took it. He wore just it on TV. Get, I don't care. Yeah. This is a... Oh, yeah. what a horrible man. Stop this. He never knew his name as George Santos. Yeah. It was always um, Tony... Volander?
1: Something like that. It keeps popping up There's different videos and Zoom meetings and all kinds of stuff where he's like some other name.
7: <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's truly amazing. It's
1: just crazy. And then like and then the 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 fake checks in Brazil. Yeah, and, yeah. That's, and the GoFundMe, all these different things. So you have
7: you have written a ditty well, I, about him. I worked the song out it's it's a work in progress. Okay. So it's a Bob Dylan, the great song, Mr. Tambourine Man. Okay. So when you try and parody Dylan, good luck with your rhyming schemes. Fair. So the birds did Mr. tambourine man so I I, uh, I did kind of a similar to thing a similar thing so they supposed to be 12 12 strike guitars so I said hey Mr Scambourine man tell some lies for me you're so creepy and there is no one believing you Hey Georgie Santos No, that's not your name (laughs) To the jingle jangle Jail cell We'll be following you (laughs) Oh, take us on a trip Upon your horrible lying ship Oh, our senses have been stripped And our minds can't seem to grip All the BS garbage That comes out of your pie hole (laughs) Thank you. You never worked at Goldman Sachs or had a charity for pets. You ripped off homeless vets. Did you play shortstop for the Mets? You little rodent. Hey, Mr. Scamboree Man, where'd you get that cash? Did you get it from those Russian boys you love so? Last verse. Hey. Mr. Tony Santos Molander, what the hell's your name? Don't put up a fight. You've got no more checks to kite. And soon we will indict. And in the jingle jangle, jail cell will come fine Steve Bannon and you. <laughs> it's almost done. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's standing. Yeah, I, the, just the humorous. We don't care if he lied. They just want the vote. They have they a narrow the, margin.
7: Yeah. They have a narrow margin in the house. Putting Marjorie Taylor Greene on the defense it's yeah. like putting Hitler Poland. on the, at the JDL. Oh my god. Sorry. Yeah. Is, and by the way, you're not Jewish. You are too dumb to be Jewish, George, whatever your name is. Stop oh my god, it. god that whole Please thing. Stop yes, yes. Please stop it. What is is Ish? Ish. Really? Oh my god. Yeah. I'm like uh, I don't know what I am. Yeah, I'm Dutchish. Dutch-ish. I'm Dutchish. I'm a Dutchish. <laughs> you know, I'm. You know, I'm madly in love with is the uh, traffic girl here, traffic lady in oh. the morning. What's her name? I don't know. Pajewski.
1: Oh, she does one well- of yeah. Jennifer. I, I can't. I, she yeah. has an interesting way of punctuating her name.
7: Fabulous. Yes. I turn in just she's, for her.
1: She, yeah, my husband has to text me that because I we, we do it every morning too. Just fabulous. <laughs> I
7: think that's. She's so. She's very very, very good. Yes. Very I agree. good. Yes. <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm a fan of weather people now. It's not good.
1: Apparently someone was upset that uh some of the other folks at the station don't always say my name correctly. Uh I do not hold uh, Vasquez, right? A lot of people say Vasquez or Vasquez, and I have said Vasquez for a long time because my my mom goes, finally, after a while, because I I, I didn't grow up using Vasquez as my last name. That's nice. It's Bonin, uh, which, by the way, people would say that name. They would say Bonin, which was not fun in grade school. (laughs) Or Boner. Yeah, exactly. Not fun in grade. And I didn't know what that was until I was 14, and I was so retroactively angry at everybody in grade school. So Vasquez was what I started using professionally uh, in my 20s, and so finally my mom pulled me aside. She goes, Patricia, it's Vas. Vasquez, not Vasquez. It's
7: not Vasquez. That's Chicago. That's Chicago. Wrap at, it in a plastic at, bag.
1: I'm still a Chicago girl, so I get it wrong sometimes. I don't begrudge. You know, but I've been called. I was at a hotel one time. I called down for the shuttle to the hotel, to the airport. And I came down. The like guy goes, are you Miss Sanchez? And I go, uh, no, it's Vasquez. Ah, same thing. Same thing. Yeah, Sanchez, Jones, yeah, Joneses. So that wasn't great. So Korea. I, I, I give people a lot of latitude when it I comes. I do, too. Yeah.
7: I do, too. So names, are, we had a kid in um, grade school, at Edgewood, grade school, and his... Um, there's one nice, kid, really nice kid. His, his name was Delwyn. Mm-hmm. Delwyn. He wasn't happy with the name, and when he was 16, he changed his name. You know, what he changed his name to Oh no, Bob. <laughs> changed it to Bob. Because
1: no, but like, where does the name Delwyn even come from? I don't know. Delwyn. That was that was a bribe from an aunt. <laughs> that name, was yeah, some name, relative. Name your kid Delwyn. I'll give you ten thousand dollars in your name. Sounds like a
7: stereo part. It
4: does.
7: <laughs> Delwyn, because my tuner is off a little bit there.
1: <laughs> and he, tune your Delwyn. Uh, <laughs> Jim wants to join the conversation. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind? How are
7: you?
8: Uh, what's that guy's name? The pastor from New York? I can't think of his name. George Santos. T- George,
7: what's yeah, his name? George, George. His real Tony. name is Tony, v- Anthony Verlatt Volander, but he uses... Yeah the,
8: yeah, the, yeah, the anti-cruel society should get after him. That's what he should get after him. Anybody can steal three grand from a dog. Yeah, yeah he stole, dog stole it from a homeless
7: vet, stole the $3,000. Yeah, you can't
8: get any lower than that. No, no,
7: impossible. That. Mm-hmm.
8: And the other one, the other one, I always want to say the assault weapon ban, real quick, it was you know from ninety four to about two thousand and four. Yeah. Now that they now that they abandoned here, you think these gun manufacturers are going to starve to death? Yeah, like they,
7: they don't, don't have, have any food. money. Talk like about the bread.
8: Them, they yeah they can't sell these. Uh, you know, I think they're fifty two grand a piece. <sighs> really? They threw Rittenhouse out of Vegas. Yeah. He was going go yeah, to go. I Vegas. saw
7: that. I was going to do yeah, it. Yeah, look, they didn't want him.
8: Look at the murder. Look at the look at the horrendous murder in Vegas.
7: Yeah, Vegas uh, is pretty 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 crazy place. Wonderful place. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, got some t- some of the back streets are tough.
1: Yeah, a little bit. But but yeah, I mean that mass shooting that happened what uh, a
7: few years yeah, ago. Yeah, in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I'm saying. The that, guy kept bringing weapons up to his room. Nobody noticed. No, you didn't notice that. No. No, yeah. You tipped the bellhop. See Vegas, you tip, you get what you want. I'm bringing an AK up to the room. Yeah.
8: Yeah, but you know what's weird about that? Real quick, you know what's weird about that? It was a security guard that actually saved everybody because yeah. he saw the he saw the door the, the door the door was ajar, but he never got credit for it because the Vegas police screwed that completely up. They screwed it completely up. But anyway, uh, I was going to say that uh, these sheriffs in Illinois are suing 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 others oh, the Second Amendment. You're not reading it right. Yeah,
7: yeah I think they're the ones that aren't reading it right.
8: Anyway, Tim, I never heard you before. you sound so very funny, and thanks, Penny, for taking my call. You of guys, thank
1: you very much. Thank you, thanks. thank you. thanks, Jim. Uh,
7: yeah, it's tough. You know, our friends were uh, in the uh, working with caretop and Rob Sherwood, and and uh, Cindy, right? His wife, well, Cindy Riley, and um. Cindy Nelson. So Cindy Nelson. my other friend called me. She's in show business too, but Cindy's the best. And they were in the the, the building next door. They were in the really? Luxor. Oh my so god! So they were hiding in the dressing room when it happened. I believe right it. next door. That's so terrifying. Yeah, it's it's you know, and yeah, you know, it's, people have a right to have a gun, but long long guns are fine. As Barry Kremen's a great political comic who was in us way said, "You're going to have a parade for muskets because that's what that was about." Yeah, I'll lead the parade. Yeah, I'll lead the parade because it takes a minute and a half to load it again.
1: Exactly. And that's what Republicans are saying now is that, oh no, the founding fathers would be very familiar with this kind of weapons. This is exactly what they were talking about. Where, yeah,
7: they also are very confused about the separation of church and state, too. Yeah. Because Adams was very religious and Jefferson wasn't. And so they made a deal. No churches involved with politics, no politics involved with churches. Yeah. Sounds good to me. That sounds good to me,
1: too. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, anything that. Uh, do you know who Kevin Sorbo is?
7: Yes, I do. It's a uh, horrifying human. Being.
1: God, I'm, it makes me so regret. Watch, I, I really I liked Xena, the Warrior Princess. Oh sure. So the Hercules universe, I, I watched it secondarily. But so he he tweeted, if you don't know what, a, if you think that AR stands for assault rifle, you can't get into this conversation about guns. Okay, first of all, shut up. Secondly, Go fine. Away. Now I got not fine. Fine. I know what an armalite is. Is that is that better now? Do we have to have this conversation. Just, it's a radio
7: it frequency. AM. It's AM and FM. They're two different <laughs> dials, Kevin.
1: Who cares? If I don't use you didn't, use, you didn't say it the right way, so you can't have an opinion on this. Ah, bite me.
7: Yeah, these Sorry. guys, um, yeah, like I said, the people that have that I know that have guns, up they are very careful with them. Yeah. And they take real classes. And I'm taking an online concealed and carrying. And I'm a tough No, you're not a tough guy. Yeah. You're not a tough guy. <laughs>
1: did you see this alderman? All. Did you see the alderman? that He's a, the instructor for firearms. Shot himself. Yes, then, I did. Yes, I did. And then his daughter. In the,
7: well, you know, he had two, he had two rounds.
1: Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't even the same day.
7: Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we have to laugh because we cry otherwise.
1: I, well, that's, <laughs> that's why I'm in comedy, believe me. Uh, Brian from Joliet. Hey, Brian, you're on the air with me and Tim Walco, who's going to be at the Rouse Center this Friday night in Crystal Lake. What's on your mind, Brian?
8: Well, I hope you're both doing well. and I just wanted to say that somebody said to me today that that Speaker of the House McCarthy uh, is not fit to feed the hogs. So I stuck up for him. I said, yes,
7: he is. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's fit for. That's very good. Just buckets of slop. That's very all good. Yeah. yeah, what a. Yeah, wow. I, what a worm.
1: Thanks a lot, Brian.
7: That's a spineless individual. I did it. you watch the whole thing?
1: I did watch the I whole thing. I did, I did. I watched I, most I of actually things. did make popcorn just because I wanted to feel like I was part of the experience. And then I got tired of popcorn because it was five days in.
7: Or whatever it I was, fifteen think. votes. I wanted a fight to break out so badly.
1: Did you? Well, I have, saw, you, have you heard about uh, Marjorie and uh, Lauren getting? Yeah,
7: a, oh, for God's sake! I, uh, what horrible! Oh, what horrible people, man! They're just so they're ugly. just so horrible. Like Laurel, what I can tell you? you yeah. get, don't get me started, as don't. they used to say. <laughs> Did but, you stay up um,
1: until one in the morning to I watch did. the final? Yeah.
7: I did. I kept switching between games and other things. But Do you know that 80% of the people in America live on the east, east of the Mississippi and only 20% in the west?
1: I did not realize that. Yeah. Okay.
7: Some of the problems start there. <laughs> With the
1: Mississippi?
7: Uh, talk about Missouri, where women can't. You have to cover your arms oh now in the God. Senate. I know. Taliban Fest for 300 yeah. And what layers? Okay. What
1: what kind of layers? Would it be a
7: layer of sunscreen? Yeah. Uh, no, it has to be. Does that turn guys on? Wrists? Apparently. You're lonely. It's a yeah. slave state. Yeah.
1: It's very strange.
7: Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. It, it, yeah. If I were younger, I would be going, oh, Canada. <laughs> you <I don't laughs> like hockey. I know. And we the had, Blackhawks won the other night. I didn't. Yeah, but they're not. They're not. They're, well, was. I play for them now, okay. and I have a broken foot. But.
1: <laughs> well, by the way, speaking of sports, thank you very much for my new baseball hat. My, yeah, uh, nice. my we match our H O Mexico. Yeah, I
7: love it. Baseball. when I wear the the cap. I guys come up. Then we see and they start talking. I go, c si, poquito. Yep. Okay. And tortilla. I'm not that great with Spanish. But do they love it that I recognize that the Mexican Baseball League is fantastic? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, you know, one of the great great imports uh, or exports from Mexico was uh, Fernando Valenzuela. Yes. Uh, Although Tommy Lasorda destroyed his arm, but that's neither here nor there. Oh. He overpitched him, but that's... At least that's what my dad Tommy said. Tommy was an enigma, <laughs> a, little an
7: enigma.
6: Bit,
1: a little bit. But my dad. So I don't know if I ever told you this. My dad uh, hated the Cubs. When my dad was ten years, he, he loved the Cubs. He grew up in uh, in Lincoln Park, Clark uh, Diversity in sure. uh, Halstead. and uh, he used to sneak out of school, jump of on the on the, uh, tra- the uh, streetcars, uh, and sneak into the park. Right. And and he uh, he would always get autographs from all the ballplayers. And you know they had the dugout. Oh, it was, it was the right dugout. there. they were right there. Yeah, and he and you could like you know through that. Ch- and they still had it for a long time, the same, the same setup as when my dad was a kid. And uh, one year, he was about 10 years old, and he asked a ball player, uh, an Italian ball player, if he could uh, get an autograph. And the ball player told him to go F himself. And my dad didn't hadn't, didn't know what that meant, apparently. At least that's what he said. I find it hard to believe. But anyway, he went home and asked his mom yeah. what that meant, and she hit him with a broom. <laughs> And he hated that ball player and the Cubs for the rest of his, until, well, that's right. until the last summer of his life. The last summer of his life, he was sitting in front of the TV. Two things happened that summer, uh, that year. He, uh, he started watching the Cubs again. He goes, I mean, I never, I'll never forget, you know, I'm sure you, my dad would always wear like his boxers and like the sleeveless, you know, we call them wife beaters, but, uh, he, or something else, but he, he was sitting in front of the TV He goes, Hey, Pat. I don't know, the Cubs are looking good this season. And I was like, oh, man, the end is near. And he voted for Gore that year. And I was like, oh, wow. oh
7: this is rough. Wow.
1: But uh, it was... Camera- oh, it
7: was so wonderful to go to Wrigley Field because no one went there. Oh, you yeah. You could go in the afternoon. Oh, God, in the
1: 70s and 80s? Yeah.
7: The, you know, they have, I have a story that I could not possibly tell on the air. <laughs> a similar story to what happened to your, yeah. to your father. We sat, my mother flirted with the... Uh, so we were behind the dugout in third base, and there was a famous pitcher on the Cubs named Sad Sad Sam Jones, who threw a no hitter uh-huh. walking three in the ninth and striking out three. Okay. I thought I ran home from school, saw the end of it. That's awesome. And uh, he used the word that all yeah. day about the umpires. I went home and said, Dad, what's a he really? Oh, and he goes, where were you today? Wow. <laughs>
1: Cub game. Wow, Cub wow. Game. that's
7: crazy. Some, he's not the only one. Your dad.
1: Yeah, no, my, my it was Ruddy. It was uh, Phil Cavaretti, my dad. Oh, Phil
7: Cavaretti was from Chicago.
1: Yeah, he, he, he went hated, to lane. He hated him. Wow. He said he spent the next year uh, in the bleachers yelling at him, calling him all kinds of names. Uh, he, he he felt he felt that he helped lower his batting average that year. I'm sure. He did. Yeah.
7: <laughs> to three oh three, we could <laughs> yeah. we could use Phil Cavaretti right now. I'll tell you, what. we use any Cavaretti. Yeah, my dad no. hated the Cubs for you know, the rest it, of it, life. one little thing like that. And yeah. I have another story I can't tell about Steve Garvey, who oh. someone came down and said something so rude to him. About his wife leaving him for Marvin Hamlish, mm-hmm. it was very ethnic. Oh dear! About piano players. Oh no! And I said, Gee, "You just can't do that, man." What? I mean, I'll, I'm a nutcase, but don't swear at the ball game. And by the way, Ricketts, what is the gambling thing all yeah. about? What is the gambling thing all I about? Don't know. I can't Sports go gambling. I'm an addict. I have all kinds of addictions. Believe me, I've been in treatment many times, and gambling is the worst habit you can have. More people kill themselves that are gamblers. And then any other addiction, because they don't wake up high. Right. They right. woke up. and they, I'm feeling good, and my kid's not going to college. Yeah. You my- don't go to the ball game to go bat. That's what people got arrested for in the bleachers. That's crazy. It's
1: crazy. I, I did not know they had brought uh, they had brought gambling there. No, what? they're going to have a sports.
7: I Get know. this. They won to Cincinnati, and guess who bought the first ticket? Pete Rose. Of course there's no irony in that <laughs> that guy that's
1: another guy well my oh. my dad took me so my dad took me when I was uh, when Fernando was pitching uh, my dad uh, grabbed my my mom had a big black and gold sombrero cool and uh, and we sat on the Dodgers uh, uh, the side you know on the first baseline uh, base yeah and uh, and every time Fernando would walk onto the mound my dad would stand up and put his sombrero on it was oh, so cool. funny and uh, I actually have uh, an autographed baseball from Fernando Valenzuela
7: from what a great picture from, yeah. I, I live to... in LA at that time. Oh, oh really? great Yeah, and oh. listen to Vince Scully call her. Fernando Valenzuela game oh, was marvelous. <laughs> it's poetry in motion.
1: I believe it. I believe it. We're hanging out with Tim Walca. Let's take our last break here. We'll come back and wrap up. Uh, he'll be at the at Lucy's Cafe, which is in the Rao Center this Friday night at eight thirty. And uh, let's, let's catch up on other shows you have coming up. Uh, no, you, no. Okay, we won't. Uh, uh, yeah, I, so I, 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 I have a few stuff. things coming I just, up. I, I just, don't know where they I are. Just canceled a bunch, but that's not here. Nor no, there. We'll More in a moment. No, later. we won't talk about that. More in a moment on WCPT eight twenty Heartland Signal.
5: This is WCPT 820 where facts matter.
1: We are winding things down with comedian Tim Walco in studio with me. And uh, George from the South Side has a uh, Cub story, by the way. Too. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, that's 2nd like Let's see. Hey, George, what's on your mind, my friend?
9: Well, thanks for taking my call. And I've enjoyed listening to a couple of comedians bounce stuff off each other. You guys are great. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, needless to say, as a Southsider, I'm a White Sox fan. You have to Several be. generations through my DNA, but I don't hate the Cubs got lots of Northside friends, and I go to, to games at Wrigley, and I enjoy them. But two experiences. Um, in my past, I worked as a limo driver in the city, and I had a VIP up after a Cubs game, so I was allowed to park by the players' parking lot. And Carlos Zambrano. Oh, boy. Was, stand, was in the middle of the parking lot, leaning on his gigantic white pickup truck, talking to a friend of his. The entire fence line of the player's lot was surrounded by mostly kids, and they were all calling out, Carlos, Carlos, you know, holding up balls and programs and whatever sign. And I was there waiting for like a good half hour. He completely ignored them the entire time. Oh, man. Time.
7: He was not known then- as a friendly man.
9: Yeah, and then just got in his truck and zoom, zoom, drove away, and I leave all these kids, kids. standing there crestfallen. On uh, the other hand, I had a pickup on a bright summer day at a downtown hotel, and who rolls up behind my car but Ernie Banks.
1: Wow.
9: He bounces out, big smile. Everybody starts going, Ernie, Ernie, Ernie. The whole street comes to a stop. And he goes, it's a beautiful day. Let's play three.
7: Wow. <laughs> That's a great moment.
9: I have one family member, a brother-in-law, who's a cub fan. <laughs> and I breached protocol because we weren't supposed to do stuff like this, sure. especially if your client could come out at any moment. And I grabbed my clipboard, and uh, I had some paper on it. I flipped it over to the blank side, and I said, Ernie, could you do an autograph to my brother in law? He's a huge cub fan. And he reaches into the pocket of his suit and pulls out a blue Sharpie in cubby blue.
7: He's nice. ready for it. Wow.
9: And he said, What's his name? And I told him and he wrote down to him. Oh wishes Ernie Banks H. O. F. Hall of Fame.
6: Nice. And I
9: found a nice frame for that and I framed it and I gave it to my brother in law for his birthday. And it continues to occupy a special place on his mantle to this day
1: that's great
7: that's a wonderful story
1: who did you drive for George Um, I'm really not at liberty to say that Uh, that's okay I swear
9: confidentiality
1: of course my uh, my dad was uh, my dad drove for uh, AMS I used to be a uh, I used to take a reservationist for uh, AMS limousine too
9: no
7: kidding.
1: Yeah. Yeah, my dad drove for AMS for a long time, but uh, yeah, over there, over by there in Northbrook, I used to... Over there like by a, Northbrook? Over by... I had, uh, the when there, there was a uh, basketball uh, was all-star game was coming into town, and uh, so I was taking a reservation, and, and it was so funny, because the guy was really nice, but I had Bob Cozy, Cozy, Cozy? Bob Cozy. Bob Cozy. <laughs> See? I didn't even know. He's also a... He
7: holds beer cups now. <laughs>
1: was all excited. But I will say, my dad had, would have celebrities once in a while. I have a, a Goose Gossage uh, autograph from my dad driving. That's what my he Steve, uh, Steve
7: um, I mean, um, the story I told you before. Oh, you. Steve Garvey, and involves Goose Gossage. Oh, really? Well, he was Ga- on deck no! waiting to bat. And oh, this guy screamed no! something horrible. He screamed something horrible about Steve and his uh, wife. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I did a show with Steve Garvey later, and I mentioned it to him. He goes, Tim, and comics could learn this too. You have to have small ears when you're out there. Yeah. I'm on true. deck. This guy's throwing 100 miles an hour. I'm thinking of living through the next at-bat. Yeah. I don't hear a word you say. Yeah. I thought it was so cool. He goes, Tell him to have small ears. It's like when you have a heckler in the front. You can't deal with it. No. Because the audience thinks you're the bad guy.
1: Yeah. I learned from, you know what I learned? I learned it from you. You're the one, I think, that taught me this. I, hey, George, thanks so much. We've- <laughs> thanks, George. We're no, sorry
7: we like ignore you, you there.
1: Sorry? Sure. Uh, well, sure.
9: Yeah, I'll make it quick. Uh, this was like, 15, 20 years ago, about this time of year, except it was really ice cold out. And I'm driving a New York businessman out to O'Hare in bumper-to-bumper traffic in the dark, and it's cold and lousy. But he was a big Yankee fan, and I'm a big Sox fan, so we're having a great conversation on the way out to the airport. And when we get to the bend around Bryn I see this blue Oldsmobile Tornado easing alongside of me, and I thought the profile of the driver looked familiar, and when I could see the license plate, it said Sox 8, or was it Sox 9? I can't remember his uniform number. It was Minnie Minoso.
7: Oh, yeah. Oh, hey! He I saw him too. on the other drive he once. Awesome. He was waving to everybody. Yeah, he's the best.
9: I, I, said, to my ta- I said to my passenger... Do you know who that is? That's Minnie Minoso. And he shot across the seat, rolled down the window, and started waving at him. And I rolled down my window. Minnie rolls down his window. We're creeping along with Kennedy talking baseball with Minnie Minoso.
1: That's, that's, that's awesome. Great story, I've got to end the show right now because i got to turn the station okay. over. Thanks, great George. Thanks so much. Take care. Have a great night. Thanks, everybody. Bye, Lady B. Mike Crews up next with Devil's Advocate. Bye, everyone.